This is Darrell Lalia, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast, episode 52. Cue the intro. Are you ready to be the master architect of your life? Are you ready to design your business and invest the needs that create the lifestyle you've always dreamt of? Are you ready to learn from entrepreneurs and millionaires who have achieved a certain level of success? Hey, this is Derek, location-independent entrepreneur, and you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hi, I'm Gina Lofton. I am an investor, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey there, my name is Heather Havenwood, marketing coach and global entrepreneur. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey, this is Mark Asquith, the host of the 7 Minute Mentor podcast, global entrepreneur and all-round geek. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. I am MC Lobsher, the Cashflow Ninja, and you're listening to Before the Millions podcast. You're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. But whether you're looking to invest for cash flow or build an online business that allows you to be location independent, you've come to the right place. Mr. Hollywood himself presents the Before the Millions podcast. And now your host, DeRay Olalaye. Welcome to this bonus episode. Yes, that's right. Another bonus episode of the Before the Millions podcast. And I am uberly excited. I wonder if that's a word. If you think about it, nothing's really a word. If I just make that word up, then that's cool because every single word in the world is made up. So yeah. Welcome to this uberly exciting episode. And I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited that you are joining us for another installment of the Before the Men's podcast. On today's episode, we're talking all things turnkey rentals. And I must say the tip of the week is a good one. You know, we talk about being financially free and it's crazy that the person who makes $40,000 a year and the person who makes $400,000 a year have the same exact problems. And we're going to talk about why in today's tip of the week. But first, on today's episode, we are interviewing Mr. Marco Santarelli. Marco's niche, what he focuses on, or what we coin as turnkey rentals. What's a turnkey rental? Well, for those of you who like all the work done for you. So basically, you know, let's just say you want to be a real estate investor and you're not really interested in finding a property, fixing up that property to get it rent ready, finding the tenants to put in that property, and then actually start collecting cash. But you just want to buy the property and collect cash. There are many ways to do that. And one of the ways that people do that are by investing in turnkey rentals. The name is exactly what it means. These are turnkey. So all you literally have to do is choose your property make your investment, and you are a brand new real estate investor with the property that is already cash flowing the minute you buy it, that already has tenants in there, that has already been rehabbed. You also have a property manager already in place. There are ups and downs to turnkey. And there's an argument in the real estate space as to whether it's actually worth it to actually invest in turnkey rentals, because what you may give up is the actual inherent equity that you build by rehabbing the property yourself. As a first-time investor, you may give up some experience and learning how to analyze deals and learning what a good deal is and what it isn't. There's a learning curve that you kind of have to step up to as a first-time investor. And as a turnkey investor, you kind of don't have to really step up to that learning curve. And that could be a good or a bad thing. So I caution you, if and when you start investing in turnkey rentals, one, get educated. Two, work with a reputable provider, and three, monitor your investment. Now, turnkey sounds fascinating in the sense that you don't really have to do any work. You just have to provide the money and you start cash flowing, which is amazing if you're in a position to be able to do that. So on today's show, we're going to learn exactly how to get into turnkey rental property investing, how to find a great turnkey operator, and how to operate your turnkey from anywhere in the world. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that lifestyle design? That's what we're here for. So I hope you guys enjoy today's bonus episode. But before we get to all the good stuff, you guys know I have to lay some knowledge on you guys. I have to give you guys a tip of the week. So let's get to that next. DeRay's tip of the week. So guys, the more and more I help people in this space, the more and more I help people discover their dream and realize what's actually possible in their lives, the more and more I myself realize that we are hung up by a few things. 
And one of those things, quite frankly, is the term coined financial literacy. Now, many of us think that making more money will solve all our problems. And what I found out through just client interaction, I mean, I have clients that make $40,000 a year. They support a family and they pay their car note, they pay their mortgage, you know, they take care of their kids and their wife and so on and so forth. And at the end of the month, they're left with nothing, zero dollars. Then on the flip side of that, I have clients who make $400,000 a year and they do the exact same thing. They pay their car notes with an S. <laughs> they pay their mortgage or their mortgages. They take care of their family. They're paying back student loans. And at the end of that same month, these people are left with the same amount of zero dollars. And quite often we think that, well, if I just make more money, I'll be able to pay off all my debt. I'd be able to start investing, so on and so forth. And quite often, contrary to popular belief, I find out that that is not the case. There's a law that's called Parkinson's law. And that law in this context basically means that if you do make more money, your expenses are going to expand to basically eat up all of the new money that you make. Now, it's bad enough that you're taxed at 50%, meaning that from January, and this is crazy, guys. Some people don't look at it like this, but I do. As an employee, from January to June, you are working to pay the government. Isn't that crazy? Half of the year, you're working just to pay the government. You're working just to give them some money. Then the second half of the year, well, you're working to pay the bank. And that's in the form of a mortgage, credit card bills, student loans, car notes, etc. So then you're left with nothing. And it doesn't matter if you make $40,000 a year or $400,000 a year. Many of us face the same crisis. So why is that? The reason I believe for that is because of the lack of financial literacy. So today's tip of the week is to help you get financially literate. I mean, think about it. Schools, they have all these subjects some things that you may never apply in real life. The one thing that schools do not focus on, which is probably the most important thing as far as going to get a career and being financially free and being successful in general, is financial skills, financial literacy. Learning how to budget is not financial literacy. So even the closest thing you have in school that can help you with your finances is leading you down the wrong path. And this explains how smart bankers, people who deal with money every day, smart doctors, accountants, I was an accountant, you know, we excel in school, we get great grades, we actually even excel at work, but we tend to struggle financially all our lives. Our staggering national debt keeps getting larger and larger. Now, this is primarily due to highly educated politicians and government officials making financial decisions with little to no training on the subject of money. I mean, think about it. Talking about money, except for on this podcast with you guys, is a taboo. Your parents don't talk to you about money. You don't know how much your parents make. They would never tell you. I mean, it's so frowned upon to ever talk about money. You don't talk about money at work. You don't talk amongst your coworkers telling each other, you know, your financial woes and how much you make. I mean, that's like so secretive. On this show, I mean, we talk about everything. But anyways, these people, a lot of us, most of us, all of us have very little training in the subject of money. So you guys understand how proper physical exercise increases your chances for health. Health is wealth, by the way. I think you should be a well-rounded person. If you are looking to be wealthy, if you're looking to be successful, your health plays a major part in that. So does physical exercise. If you are lacking in that department, you will lack in other departments. It's a proven fact. But anyways, so proper physical exercise increases your chances for health. Well, in that same notion, proper mental exercise increases your chances for wealth. Does that make sense, guys? And how you get this mental exercise is through knowledge. How you get this knowledge are through books and podcasts like these and people who have achieved the level of success, whether it's wealth, health, relationships, the level of success that you're looking to achieve. So in a nutshell, in order to escape the hamster wheel that you're on, you need to be financially literate. This doesn't mean you need to budget. This means you need to open your mind to the possibilities and realize that you are on a hamster wheel and that to create change is not to create more money. It all starts with your mindset. 
So when you read books, you compare your thoughts, your actions, your experiences with those people in those books that have done exactly what you're looking to do. You start having aha moments, epiphany moments. You start understanding how to be financially literate if you're reading the right books, of course. For example, what's this guy's name? Dave Ramsey. Yes. A lot of people read Dave Ramsey books. He's like one of the most well-known people out there when it comes to just like getting out of debt, being debt-free, blah, 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 blah. You know, I don't subscribe to his mantra. I don't subscribe to his method of doing things. And a lot of successful real estate investors, Grant Cardone, Barbara Corcoran, Robert Kiyosaki, the list goes on. They do not support Susie Orman. They do not support, what's his name again? Dave Ramsey. They don't support their methods because we think differently as investors. So if you want to be amongst the people who are financially literate, who know how to create wealth, then you go to those sources, you read those books, you listen to those podcasts, you absorb that information and you go implement it in your own daily life. And that, my friends, is the tip of the week for this week. Keep getting educated. Get educated in the space that many of us are never taught about. I wasn't taught about this. When I finally discovered this path, I said, whoa, there are actually people in this world who live a location-independent lifestyle, who have money working for them around the clock, who can get out of bed whenever they want, who can travel the world, get new experiences. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. So I got educated. And that, my friends, is what we all have to do to succeed, to have a better life, to provide for our family, to not be burnt out every day, to not give half of our hard-earned money, to not work from January to June to pay the government, and then July to December to pay the banks. I want you to pay yourself. I want you to build wealth for your family, and I want you to be able to have assets so you can pass down to your kids. Even if you are successful at work, even if you know how to manage your money, quote unquote, your skills, your position at work, that cannot be transferred to your child. That cannot be transferred to your family if you're gone today. But you know what can? Hard assets. That's how we explore these topics on the show, guys. That's why we're like 50-something episodes in, because this stuff is amazing. Anyways, let's get to the show. And now, your feature presentation. On today's show, we have the founder of Norada Real Estate, Mr. Marco Santorelli. Marco, how's it going? It's going great. How are you? I'm doing splendid. And for those of you who've never heard of Marco, Marco is an investor. He's an author. He is, again, the founder of Norada Real Estate Investments. Marco is the creator of DealGrader, which is a scoring system to measure the investment quality of a real estate investment. We're going to take it all the way back because Marco purchased his first real estate investment at the age of 18, which is super, super young. And I'm really excited to figure out why and how he was able to do this. So Marco, take it away. Let's go into the time machine. Let's talk about 17-year-old Marco and how you were able to maybe shift your focus or shift your mindset to start investing in real estate. Yeah. I'm going to start off by saying that there's you know nothing special about me. I am who I am and everybody has the capability, the capacity to do whatever they want to do, whatever they put their mind to and achieve. And you know, it goes back to the whole thing of think and grow rich, you know, Napoleon Hill's famous book that I think everybody should read every single year. But when you identify something and you find it to be a passion and you want to pursue it, then you should just put all your energy behind it and just focus like a laser. I didn't know all this back then when I was a teenager, but I knew somewhere deep down inside I was an entrepreneur and I still am today. In fact, I'm, I'm a hardcore entrepreneur. I love real estate. I, I'm a real estate entrepreneur and I pursue other passions. But back then, I just knew that I wanted to get into a business. And I've tried to get into businesses and failed many times. But, you know, when I was 13, I taught myself how to program on a computer. You know, I taught myself assembly languages, really low level and hardcore, not something most kids would do. I mean, you know, that's the person you would call a nerd or a geek. But I just found it fun and interesting and there was a passion there and I was developing a game and then of course I ran out of memory because back then you don't have a lot of memory in computers like having 4K or 16K which is 16,000 bits or bytes of information is, is not much so you feel that fast. But it was a good learning experience. I never did finish the game so I couldn't sell it. But as the years went by, I looked around and I realized that there were a lot of people who had some level of wealth. They had passive income. Again, I didn't know what to call it back then, but I did equate that to being some sort of 
financial freedom, you know, and that gave them time freedom. And as I looked around, I saw people who you might call the quote unquote millionaire next door. You know, they drove around in just a very average automobile and they didn't dress fancy, but they had a ton of property. And it was interesting to see these people and I drive by some of their properties, you know, their fourplexes and duplexes back in my hometown. And I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And so when I turned 18, when I could qualify for financing, that's when I jumped in. I jumped in head first. I didn't get any coaching, counseling. I didn't read a book. I didn't go to a boot camp. I just knew that I wanted to get into real estate. So I bought a townhome. I fixed it up. It was a kind of a gut job, but my uncle was a carpenter, so I brought my, my uncle in. When it was done, I threw a sign in the lawn. There was no internet back then. You know, It was either the newspaper ad or a sign in the lawn. Printed out some applications. I screened some people, not knowing exactly what to look for, but you know, I just went with my gut. And I ended up keeping this property for years, managing it myself. I made some cash flow from it. It was decent. And then ultimately sold it and made it a nice chunk of profit. So that's where my investing career began. I love that. And it sounds like you just decided to take action and you emulated people that you saw around you. You emulated what you deemed to be success at the time and you were on the right track and you started down this real estate investing journey. So what was next for you? You bought this first single family and did you decide to go to college and, and pursue you know, a career? Did you decide to get into more real estate investments? How did, how did the next couple of years of your life unfold? Yeah, interesting question. I was actually going to university at the time. I was in university and I was taking a four-year program in criminology of all things. I actually do know why. I went down that path. It was actually a recommendation from a work colleague at the time. She thought that that might be an interesting thing to get into. And it sounded pretty exciting. You know, I wanted to get into the head of a criminal, (laughs) figure out, you know, what makes them tick. But I was also kind of seduced by the idea of, of getting into the police force and, you know, being a detective or this or that. It was, it was kind of the job mentality, not the, it wasn't so much a career mentality as much as it was a job mentality. And here's the mistake I made. You know, I was back then, and it's probably still true today, but back then police officers and people in the, in the police force made a, above average income. They made a decent income and, and you got a retirement pretty early. I think it was after 20 or 25 years, you were on their pension plan and you basically were set, you know, set for life. It was comfortable, but not, you know, nothing to say, you know, that you would be rich from. So that kind of seduced me. But the mistake I made and the thing that people should avoid making and people listening to your podcast is never pursue something because of the money, because it's not about the money. It should be about what you love and what your passions are, what you want to pursue and what you want to spend your time doing. Because when you work on something you love doing, it's, it doesn't feel like work. It never feels like work. If you enjoy and love what you do, you're excited to get up every morning and get going in what you're doing. And that's how I feel today. I, you know, when, when I get up in the morning, which I usually don't set an alarm, I get up when I get up. But when I get up and I know I have a call or a podcast recording to do with you or whatever the case is, it's like, right on, let's get going. You know, I love doing this and I love helping people. But if you pick a career or a job that you really don't find passion in, it's going to feel like a J-O-B. And so that's the mistake I made. I went down this career path, if you will, uh, taking criminology and then ultimately, you know, early on decided that, no, this is not it. This is not what I want. Fortunately for me is during that same period of time, uh, my best friend and I, you know, dabbled with different little businesses. And I also went and got my real estate license because I wanted to continue doing what I was doing with real estate. So ultimately when I was done with university, I went into real estate sales as an agent, you know, essentially a salesperson. And again, that's one of those things I did not like doing. It felt like a job. You know, it's not something I really wanted to do. I didn't like chauffeuring people in the backseat of my car, showing them house after house, you know, and hustling just to make the sale. Sales are great. You need sales, but it's not the thing that I wanted to do. It was a job for me. And so I just took that knowledge to improve myself and better my sales skills. And at the same time, you know, work to buy my next property. So That's what I did back then. Marco, should you love real estate to be a real estate investor? You know, it's it's one of those things to where some may view real estate investing as a means to an end. You know, I'm going to start investing in real estate so that maybe I can discover or go on to do the things that I love. Some may actually, you know, view real estate investing as the end all be all. 
how should your viewpoint of real estate investing be when it comes to following your passion and doing what you love? Kind of alluding to what you're speaking to now. Well, you don't invest in real estate because you happen to love houses and, you know, sticks, bricks, copper, and, and concrete. It's a means to an end. It's a tool. It's, it's an asset. It's an asset class. And it's something that can produce wealth and income for you. So if you have to step back and say, well, what am I trying to achieve? What are my goals? If I need to invest because I need to save for retirement or I need to improve my lifestyle or, or, or get ahead financially, then you need to s- figure out what your strategy is. Is your strategy investing in income producing real estate or is it investing in stocks in the stock market, which is a more speculative play and it's a capital gains play as opposed to income? Is it, you know, participating in the bond market or maybe it's starting a business or investing in an existing business that already has cash flow? You got to invest in what you understand. And if you don't do that, you're going to, you know, run into trouble. People jump into things like cryptocurrency and, and whatever else. And that's all well and fine. But if you don't understand it, then you shouldn't be there. First, you should educate yourself and build that knowledge. And then you can ask intelligent questions and then you can pursue it. So for me, real estate's interesting. I like real estate. I like looking at houses. I don't watch a lot of TV, but I enjoy watching those, you know, f- fix and flip shows. But, you know, for me, real estate is a vehicle that can allow me to increase my income and create wealth and provide me financial freedom, which ultimately leads me to the end goal, which is time freedom. So I'm, I'm doing these things not for the sake of doing those things. I don't invest in real estate just to say that I have, you know, 50 or 100 doors under my belt. I invest in real estate because of what real estate can provide me and my family and my future generations, which is, again, that wealth, that time freedom, and that income. Marco, what are some of the things that you've noticed with this particular vehicle that, that you decided to drive this cash flowing, this cash flow model of buying, you know, cash flowing properties, buying cash flowing real estate? What have you found about this vehicle that has you, you know, surplanted here that has you investing your hard earned dollars into these investments over, you know, any other vehicle? Well, real estate has been said to be the most historically proven asset class out there in terms of an investment. And Everybody understands real estate. You talk to anybody, they know what real estate is. They know what land is. They know what a house looks like. You know, they've probably grew up in a house or, you know, a townhome or a duplex or something. You don't need to educate people on what real estate and housing is. And you don't need to really sell them on the idea that it is, it is truly a great place to uh, create wealth and even store wealth. A lot of wealthy people buy real estate because it's not so much an investment as much as it, as it is a hard asset to store and preserve their wealth and the, the purchasing power of their dollars, much like gold. And although gold doesn't produce income, real estate can and does. And so for me, real estate as an investment provides some benefits that you can't get with other investment in, investment vehicles. What I like to say is that real estate provides you uh, income. You know, you've got rental real estate will provide you passive monthly income. You know, that rent, the the net rent, which is your positive cash flow comes straight to your pocket. So you've got income, you've got depreciation. So the, the IRS allows you to depreciate properties, residential properties over 27 and a half years. That's a magical thing because you're essentially able to write off one 27 and a half every year of that property and take that as a deduction and not spend a single dime or penny towards it in order to get it. So you're basically getting a free deduction, if you will, every year that you can apply towards your passive income and, and your passive portfolio. So it lowers your taxable impact. It's essentially free money. And you can't get that with anything else. I mean, there's one exception with oil and gas, but that's limited. It's very limited. It's only in the first year. And so you got the depreciation, you've got the amortization of the loan, you have a tenant in your property, they're paying down your mortgage every month. So every month, your equity increases a little more, a little more and a little more. And so that increases your, your overall net worth, it increases what's on your balance sheet. So there's the loan amortization, then you have appreciation over time. Historically speaking, properties appreciate 
some faster than others, but over time, they kind of smooth out to be in the range of, let's say, 4 to 7%. So they certainly keep up with inflation. In fact, often they beat inflation. So as an inflation hedge, real estate is an ideal vehicle because it will always keep up with inflation. Why? Because homes, property, real estate, it's built with commodities, sticks, bricks, copper, concrete, you know, all that stuff. These are commodities. And so they have to, over time, keep up in lockstep with inflation. And the last thing, which is another major powerful thing about real estate that is comparable to the depreciation benefit is the fact that you can leverage the investment, meaning that I don't, if I want to buy a $100,000 rental property, we tell this to our clients all the time. I mean, this is some, one of the many things that we, we openly discuss and teach at no cost, of course, to investors is this, that the leverage is one of the most powerful things you can take advantage of to accelerate your wealth creation because you can take a $100,000 property and instead of buying that $100,000 property with $100,000 in cash, what we call an all cash purchase, you could put only 20% down, so $20,000 down and borrow the other 80% from many dozens and dozens of lenders that are tripping over themselves to lend you that money, assuming you have, you know, decent credit. Now what you've done is you've taken 100% ownership of a property. You're benefiting from 100% of the benefits, 100% of the cash flow, 100% of the depreciation. It is 100% yours to do what you want with, but you've only put 20% down. You've borrowed the other 80% and that other 80% is going to be paid off by your tenant. And over time, inflation is going to depreciate or deflate the value of that loan. And if that was a little complicated or too fast for some people, it's basically saying this, every year that $80,000 loan is going to be worth less and less and less because inflation is eating away at that loan because every year you're going to pay it off in cheaper and cheaper dollars, what we call inflated dollars. And so where else can you get all of these benefits in an investment, an investment vehicle or an investment class? You can't you won't find it. Yeah. I love that. Well said every single point. And recently uh, on episode 31 of this, uh, this podcast, I actually came out uh, with a podcast with those exact six reasons that you named. So it's called the six reasons why you should purchase your first investment property in 2018. And I went into detail about why every single one of those reasons, you know, combined together, there's nothing in this world touching, you know, the rental real estate asset class, at least from, from my point of view and from a stability point of view. Of course, like you said, there, there are things like Bitcoin and, and things that you can kind of invest in. But again, those are capital game plays. They're not, that's not going to provide uh, longstanding wealth for you and your family. So I think there's a major distinguishment between, you know, something like rental real estate and a lot of these other vehicles out there. And I'm glad you were able to highlight a lot of the reasons why we choose rental real estate. So let's kind of move forward down your path, Marco. You became a real estate professional. And even as a real estate professional, you felt as though that wasn't where you wanted to end up yet. So you cultivated this plan. And I want to kind of talk about that plan to kind of get you to, you know, whatever your wealth number is, or to get you to produce however much cash flow you need to provide for yourself and to provide for your family. I want to talk about that plan and how you were able to build up your portfolio to finally achieve, you know, the success that you wanted. And then I also want to ask if that, if you recommend that plan for the listeners, or if there's a, if there's another method, if there's another way to kind of get out and uh, start creating cash flow for yourself to where you could eventually uh, exit your day job if you, if you choose to do so. Let me start off with, you know, what, a couple of things that I've built over the years and, and then, you know, my recommendation will just kind of segue off of that. You know, the thing I focused hard and heavy on in 2003, 2004 and early 2005 is building a real estate portfolio as quickly as I could. And over the course of about a year, just over a year, something like that, I had accumulated 84 doors. So I had built a portfolio made up of, you know, different types of properties, single family homes, duplexes, fourplexes, et cetera. And there was, I had 84 doors. Now, most of those properties were good, but I made the mistake, of course, you know, you learn through your mistakes. I, I made the mistake of buying some properties I shouldn't have bought in the wrong areas and it just became problematic. And then I later had to get rid of them because they were just creating me, you know, creating more headache than anything else. But those lessons are lessons learned. You know, you step on landmines and you, you learn from your mistakes and you don't make them again. And, you know, with our business, you know, here are the clients through Norada Real Estate, we share these experiences so they don't make those same mistakes. So the systems we've put in place help people avoid 
those same mistakes that I made long ago. And now everything's just, you know, completely systematized. We have a formula for, for virtually everything. But I dove in deep when it came to the real estate side of things. But like I said before, I've always been an entrepreneur. So I've always been trying to get into businesses and some of them were successes, some of them were failures. You know, one of the largest ones I, I got involved in back in the my corporate you know, corporate days, you know, we started a, what some people would call a dot-com business. And it was essentially a business funded by venture capital funding out of Northern California. Uh, back in the days when everybody was trying to take their company public, you know, a pre-IPO and then an IPO. And things were going all well and fine until the NASDAQ crashed and then the VC funding all dried up and and we had to wind the company down and we never, you know, hit our targets or made, you know, made a, a profit. You know, you look back and there was a lot of lessons to be learned. It was a good experience, but one thing always leads to another. When a door closes, it opens up another door. And so that other door that opened up was, you know, me getting, taking a little time off, but getting back into real estate investing in 2003. And in the course of what I went through in terms of networking with other real estate investors and going to boot camps, investors were coming to me saying, hey, you know, where are you finding your deals? How are you negotiating them? Can you help me? Can you coach me? Can you find me some deals? And so that's where the light bulb moment went off. And, and then I started Norada Real Estate Investments. And now, you know, that's the business that we help other people very easily and passively build their real estate portfolios. So they get all that cash flow and wealth creation, just like we've been doing, you know, my investment counselors and I, so that's where I put my focus. It's really two things. It's, it's income producing real estate. And the, the other thing is, is in business. Business is an asset. A business is an asset. And it, it's a great way to create wealth and cash flow if you have a successful business. Now, granted, there's a lot of risk. It's hard, requires funding, requires a lot of time, especially in the beginning, because it's like a rocket taken off. It takes a lot of fuel and energy to get it off the ground. But, you know, after, you know, two, three years, you know, when you're finally up in, you know, the atmosphere, it takes a lot less energy to keep your system running. So business is a great asset class, but it's not for everybody. And let's face it, not everybody is meant to be a business owner or an entrepreneur. But real estate is far easier to understand and deal with. It's, it's certainly more passive and it's, it's more doable by more people, if that makes any sense. So that's where I spend my time, you know, and focus. The real estate portfolio is a passive system now. The business is, you know, takes up a lot of my time, but I put the time in because I want to help people, you know, achieve their financial goals. And, you know, more recently, being, again, being an entrepreneur, I've kind of ventured off into something that sounds unrelated to real estate, but it's actually not. But I'm involved in, I'm a partner actually in two cannabis related businesses that are licensed grow operations. In fact, we've been raising capital for one of them. I'll probably continue to do that in the, you know, the months and years to come is have additional opportunities like that. And again, there's, you know, there's real estate underlying these things. There's land that you have to own. There's buildings you have to build. And so you've got real estate, mind you, it's commercial, but still there's always real estate underlying virtually every single business out there. So it always comes back to real estate. But my recommendation for people is again, find what, invest in what you feel passionate about and what you understand. And if you are not sure about something, guess what? Educate yourself, listen to this podcast, listen to other podcasts, read some books, you know, talk to people in the industry that are, have done it or are doing it. Go to the internet and do some searches and find information on what you want to learn about and find out if it's something that you really want to pursue. And maybe it's not what you thought it was, but if it is, guess what? Now you're further ahead. You've educated yourself. You can ask more intelligent questions. You can assemble the right team and put your time or energy or, or capital towards it. And that's what everybody should do. They shouldn't just jump in because it's the next hot thing, you know, whether it's cryptocurrency or, or some stock tip that the taxi driver, Uber driver gave you, you know, it's, it's, you've got to focus on what you are investing in. Marco, there are lots of busy professionals out there. And the trap I see a lot of us fall into is, you know, because we're employees at a big corporation, we're automatically subjected to putting our retirement funds, putting our money in a 401k plan and things of that nature. And it's not necessarily a bad thing, but when you're not aware of what's going on, when you're not aware of the fees, when you're not aware of some other vehicles out there that may provide a greater benefit, just, you know, being ignorant to a lot of the things that are out there, it can be detrimental. And I think that, you know, a lot of these types of people 
started approaching you back, uh, sounds like back in the day, and you had a light bulb moment. And that light bulb, you know, led you to start a business, start a business to help these people, these busy professionals that wanted to get into real estate. And I think that's what we want to talk about here for the, for the crux uh, of the show. So maybe let's start with what that business is and, and kind of um, before we get into your specific business, let's take a 30,000 foot view of what that business is. And of course, I'm referring to turnkey rentals. So what is a turnkey rental and why might that interest somebody who, who's a busy professional? That's a great question. So I've actually talked about this as you know one of my first episodes in my podcast because I needed to get the definition out there of what turnkey real estate investing is and what turnkey real estate investments are. And the reason I had to define that is, first of all, a lot of people don't use the term turnkey. A lot of people have never heard of the term turnkey anything, turnkey you know, investing or turnkey real estate. And so they're not sure what it means. And it means different things to different people. There's no formal definition of it. There's no industry definition of it. It's kicked around a little too much. And for some people, it means anything that's rent ready. For other people, it means something that's completely completely renovated and in like new condition. So let's talk about that for a moment. So for us, and this is at the core of the business, turnkey real estate investments are essentially properties that are in good markets, in good neighborhoods, that are new or like new. They're tenant occupied, cash flow positive, under professional property management, have no deferred maintenance, and are essentially, again, use that word, turnkey from the day you buy it, the day you close escrow, because the idea is that you have a hassle-free investment that's cash flowing from day one. In other words, you know, the first month after you've taken ownership of it. That's the product that, you know, our company offers, sells to our clients, our real estate investor people that we talk to and work with. And, you know, we have those in 15, 16, 17 different markets around the U.S., the markets that, again, have to make sense. So, when you take that product, that solution, and you build a system around it where you have all the pieces and everything you need under one roof, essentially a one-stop shop, that experience, th that entire process and experience that our clients go through with us is what we call turnkey real estate investing. And that's the core of the business. That's what I started in, in 2004. And so for 14 years now, you know, we've been working with you know, thousands of investors to help them acquire income producing rental real estate. So hopefully that answers your question. I'm not sure if I answered it at all. Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. So it sounds like as a traditional investor, as a traditional employee who's looking to get into investing, you would, you know, kind of first start with your goals maybe and then figure out what type of real estate investing or what type of a real estate would get you to your goals. And then you actually go start, you know, looking for deals and, you know, actually doing the grunt work, performing uh, due diligences and, and inspections and all that stuff. And you would actually have to, you know, maybe even manage the property. And then after you're managing the property, you're, you're answering calls at 2 a.m. in the morning. And, you know, these are things that you do as an investor. These are things that, you know, we don't talk about a lot. And, you know, there comes a time in which, you have to actually consider how much time you're spending and how much money you're making on that investment. But also, you know, there are people who actually circumvent, you know, people like yourself who actually help you through that whole process, who actually not only help you through that process, but streamline that process for you. So you don't have to worry about any of that. Now, there are some pros and cons to turnkey real estate investing and turnkey real estate investing actually, you know, has a bad stigma at times. So maybe talk about why you think it has a bad stigma and why what you're doing is so much more better than the competition. Okay. So let me first answer the question you asked before that never got addressed. And that is, you know, who, who is this ideal? Who is our target market, if you will? Like, who is this ideal for? Although it's ideal for everybody, at the end of the day, what we find is that most people have a busy life. They have a job or career. They spend a lot of time on that and they have a family and that they have, they want to spend time with their family. They have Johnny's soccer game on the weekend. They have friends. They want to, you know, enjoy a, a social life of some kind. So their schedule's already full. They don't have the time to learn how to find 
and acquire a, a property, a distressed property, fix it up, manage the crew, put up the capital, you know how to budget and write up a scope of work. You could hire people to help you with a lot of these parts, but well, there's all kinds of components here. That's a huge learning curve. A lot of people don't want to bother with that, but there's a lot of people that have the capacity to, to invest. They have capital, lots or little. They have some credit. So they have the ability to invest in real estate, but they don't want to be that active real estate investor. The guy that's doing all the work, swinging the hammer, assembling the crew, managing you know, the, the components and the financing and, and all that stuff, that's active real estate investing. We're really focused on passive real estate investors, people who, who have the capacity to invest, want to invest, know they need to invest. They might be professionals or people who have you know, a decent income, but we're here to help them. So we've done 70 to 80% of the work for them. And now it just comes down to answering questions, choosing the right market, choosing the properties, and just start acquiring those properties one or two at a time. So we've simplified it almost like a done-for-you system, a done-for-you solution where we've done 80% of the work. And that's where we come in. It's, for, it's to help people who have limited time but have the, the desire and the resources to invest. So we're the perfect solution for those people. And there's a lot of people in that category because most people don't want to be swinging hammers. So to your later point, what was the last thing you asked me? Yeah, the stigma of turnkey in itself is right. not a very good one, but I think that you guys stand out in the, in the work that you do. So I wanted you to talk about maybe, maybe the overall stigma of turnkey investing and what, what you guys do that's different. There's two things that come up from time to time and not very often. One is that there are some turnkey operators in the industry, you know, across this country that are not savory, if you will. They're, they're not the best operators. They don't do great work. They're, they're sketchy. They're poor communicators. They put out, you know, poorly renovated product. I mean, there's, there's, there's a, a list of things that could happen, but fortunately they're a really small minority and I can name a few names, but I'm not going to. The thing is, is the reality is, is with any business, whether you're in a restaurant business um, or any industry for that matter, there's always going to be some bad apples in the batch. You're always going to have a small group of people that kind of give you a black eye or taint the industry a little bit. And those are the people you don't want to work with. It doesn't mean that the, the service, the product, the industry is bad. There's a need for all these services, you know, whether it's you're in the restaurant industry or, or mechanic, you know, there's a lot of bad mechanics, you know, untrustworthy, but there's a lot of good ones, but you still need a mechanic. You know, you need, you still need that service. Same thing with our, you know, the turnkey industry, the turnkey real estate industry. So it's not that it, it has a, a bad stigma. It's just knowing who the right people are to work with. And then my second point is the other thing that comes up is that some people say that turnkey real estate investing and, and investing in turnkey rental properties is not a good way to go about it. And, and the reason they bring that up, and this is just so wacky, they're saying that you're going to pay market value or close to market value, the fair market value for the property if you buy a turnkey rental. Well, yeah, that's in the seller's market like we have today, that's pretty much true because all properties are selling very quickly. Inventory is tight, hard to find. We're in a seller's market. But the reality is, is you're buying a property that is new, newly renovated, or like new because it's been newly renovated. Sorry, I'm I mix those two up, but it's either new or like new. And so you're going to pay close to fair market value, but that's fair. However, if the numbers work out, if the rental income is high enough and you deduct all your expenses, hard costs and soft costs, and you have positive cash flow at the end of the end of the month and end of the year, you're going to have a rate of return. You're going to have cash flow. You're going to have a cash on cash return. And as time goes on, you're going to have an overall, you know, much larger total return on investment because of the equity growth. It doesn't make the investment bad. It makes, it's still a great investment, but what they're comparing it to, and this is the mistake that a lot of people out there are hardcore active real estate investors. They want to find the distressed seller or the distressed property. They want to be the person fixing it up or managing the renovation. And what they hope for in the end is that they end up with, again, a turnkey property when all is said and done after they you know, put in all the time and effort and, and taken the, on the brain damage, they hope to have some equity in that property. And that's what they're trying to do. Now, can you do that? Sure. In the right markets, in the right conditions, in the right neighborhoods, you can achieve that. You can finish up with more equity in the property than you would have as if you were purchasing a done-for-you turnkey rental property. But again, look at what you're, look at the give and take. One is a 
a simple, hassle-free, passive investment that can just get you going right away and building your portfolio quickly. The other is where you are creating a job for yourself and you're taking on all the risks and headaches involved with actively being in the real estate space. So it's your decision. It's not like one is right and one is wrong. They're just two different paths that people take. And the people in the active camp will tell you, some of them, that investing in turnkey rental properties is a con, is, is not the thing you should be doing. It's, it's, the, it's not the way to invest in real estate. Well, that's true for them, but it's not true for tens of thousands of people who have been investing you know, out of state with turnkey rentals for decades. Marco, I love that. And you said that perfectly. It's one of those things to where there, there is a gray area and there's a, you know, you, I can literally see how an active investor would say a lot of the things that you're saying. I can see how a turnkey investor would not care about any of that stuff because of, you know, again, it goes back to what your goal is. It goes back to how much time you have. It goes back to, you know, your core beliefs. And of course, you know, turnkey rentals, like I think that is the best surefire way to, you know, get into an investment property quickly and having it already vetted, having everything kind of already done set up for you. And it's it's a great way to scale. But just to play dev- devil's advocate at the same time, if you don't ever, you know, as a new investor, more specifically, if you don't ever get that experience, if you don't ever learn, you know, what it is you need to learn to actually be a, an investor, to actually know your craft. If you, if you are a real estate investor, then, you know, there may come a time in which you can, you know, stumble upon a turnkey, a turnkey operator who is a bad apple. And you're not going to know the difference between a good apple and a bad apple because you've never had the experience to actually, you know, have done the work yourself or actually had been, you know, not even doing the work yourself. There are many active real estate investors who, who don't do the work, but they're, they're active in the sense in which they, they control, you know, the overall, the overall planning and things like that. But you need, I think that you, even if it's just one time or maybe it's a partner that has the experience, I think that there, there should always be somebody in your corner that is well-versed in, in the lay of the land. And I'm sure, I'm sure you, you can probably agree with that, Marco. So let's talk about, you know, somebody who's looking to get into real estate investing, who doesn't have the experience, who want, maybe wants to turn to turnkey, but is scared because they don't know where those bad apples may lie. Let's talk to the brand new investor who doesn't have the time, who wants to start looking into turnkey investments. Let's walk them through a turnkey process from beginning to end, from starting, you know, from starting to find that turnkey operator and making sure that there's somebody who's credible. What, let's start there and then we'll work our way up to what to look for in a turnkey property. How do you find an, a provider such as yourselves? Like if we're looking to hire you guys, how do you choose a nationwide provider? The simple short answer to that is what are the services you provide? What markets are you in? How long have you been in business? Do you have, uh, we, we post them on our website. We have, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of, of testimonials and reviews from people. So you can ask for that. Uh, and funny thing is, is most people who come to us, quite honestly, they never ask us for references, referrals, or testimonials because they've already done their due diligence. They've already vetted us online and through our materials, our podcast, our, our guide to passive investing, which I told you about before. Like they've already, they've already kind of done their due diligence and there's so much of that online. Are you a member with the Better Business Bureau? We are and have been for the longest time. We have an A plus rating, which you can only get after 10 years. I've been on many, many, many podcasts. So people hear me all the time. I've been on uh, three different magazine covers. Uh, so, you know, I've been interviewed by, you know, various magazines and radio shows and that's growing. So these are the, some of the things you could look for. How, here's a good one. How, how much time do you spend with me is, is a good question. Like how, how vested are you with my goals and my, my best interests? And that's something we put a lot of focus on. It's really more of an experience than it is some, a simple answer to the question. I'm not going to name names, but I can tell you that there are a lot of people who come to us after talking to we don't have a lot of competitors, but there are some competitors out there. They come to us after having an experience with an initial phone call or two with other companies and saying, you know, I can't get a hold of anybody. They don't return my call. It takes forever to get my call back. Conversations are very limited or they're shallow. There's no depth to them. Or I feel like I'm being sold something and I don't really feel that they understand my needs, my goals and what I'm trying to achieve and just another transaction. So if you feel that with anybody when you're talking to them, then that should be a red flag in my opinion. We're more consultative than anybody I know. We actually 
genuinely care about what the investor is trying to achieve and where they want to go. And we want to show them a way to get there. And I'd say 98 out of, out of 100 transactions that we do are what I would label as very successful. There's always going to be moving parts um, because you're dealing with human beings here that, you know, come up as issues, but, you know, we jump in to resolve them. And so when there's an issue that comes up, guess what? We're there to, to help and fix it and make it work. You know, we have this call. And on this call, we find out that this person wants to, you know, create $5,000 worth of passive income. What's the next step to do that? Well, there could be a long answer to this question. So just to keep it kind of at a higher level, there may be more than one phone call. It really just depends on where the investor is at, where the person is at, and how clear their vision is. But usually we can guide them and navigate them to understand where they need to go and break that down and if they have an, a, an income goal in terms of how many properties they need over what period of time and then what is your capacity to achieve that based on you know how what you have for investable income in terms of savings or self-directed retirement accounts or your capacity to create income each and every year and put money aside f- for the purposes of investing. So it's really a discussion and everybody's case by case because everybody's got a different scenario in terms of income taxes, credit, how many properties they have, their experience and, and whatnot. But what we want to do again at a 30,000 foot level is once we've discussed that and identified that we've kind of got a roadmap to follow, then we are going to start recommending markets based on the type of investor they are. They might be hardcore cash flow investors. They're just looking for stable properties. They're not speculators. They're not looking for appreciation. They just want solid cash flow properties in various markets that have that stability. Or they might be more interested in in appreciation potential. So they still need and want the cash flow, but we're going to recommend markets that are a little bit more prone to growth, appreciation and growth. There's others who are hybrids. You know, they're kind of in the middle. They want the balance, the best of both worlds. So they're not going to get a lot of either, but they're going to get some of both. And those are the markets we're going to recommend. And so once we've identified the market, then it's really a question of, are you looking for properties in kind of the B class neighborhoods or like an A minus A type neighborhood? And that's going to affect, you know, the numbers and the rates return on that property. And again, not to get too deep into detail, but, you know, once we've identified the market, we're going to identify the, the neighborhood class that the person should be in at this time. And it's typically an A or B. You know, we, we dabble in the C, C plus neighborhoods as well. Uh, those are just lower income, higher rates of return, but not necessarily higher cash flows. And so again, we map that to the person. And then at that point, one of two things happen. They either pick one or two properties that they're interested in, or we'll cherry pick one or two that to recommend to them. And if they say, okay, I love this one on, you know, one, two, three, you know, any street, we'll find that we'll confirm that the numbers are correct because we want to make sure there's no typos because we post all our properties on our website and it's changing by the day and by the week. We'll confirm the numbers are are correct. And two, we're going to confirm that the property is still available because a lot of times they actually go under contract like the day before and it hasn't been taken off the site yet because it's sometimes a 24-hour turnaround, but we'll just confirm its availability. So at that point, if they're interested, we put it under contract for them. And then what happens is two things. At that point, they would have already been pre-approved with the lender if they're financing their purchase. So they, they're they already pre-approved for financing. So that goes into escrow and the financing process starts. Simultaneously to that, we will have them with our transaction coordinators help order an inspection, a, a third-party home inspection from top to bottom so they can vet the property and know exactly what they're getting to see if there's any issues, if there's any red flags. I mean, that rarely comes up, but there are always going to be a bunch of little things like ticky tacky stuff. But what we want to find is things that must be done or should be done to the property. And, you know, not much ever comes up, but if there is, they get addressed you know, they're going to get dealt with. And then uh, once that's done, it's kind of a waiting period because, you know, it can take three, four weeks before the property's funded. So in that in that in-between stage, we want that investor to contact the property management company. We introduce them. They have a discussion so the investor can get a warm and fuzzy feeling in their belly about you know, the, 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 invest, uh, the property manager and the services they provide and, and what their fees are, which are pretty standard for the most part. Um, ultimately, they're going to sign a management agreement, which will not take effect until they close escrow on the property and take title, but they can get that done in advance. 
And then that's it. Once they get to the closing date, they're going to receive a FedEx package from the title company and they get, you know, they sign all the documents, they get it notarized, put it back in the return envelope and FedEx it right back to the title company. And then the, you know, in two days they have title to the property and they're the proud owner of a new, you know, shiny new rental property. And I'm on your website right now, Marco, and it, you know, I just picked, of course, I just picked the Houston market since that's where I currently am right now. I'm looking at the different homes that you have and, you know, the average purchase price is anywhere between, you know, 120 K to 150, 160. You, you have, you have one on here for upwards of half a million dollars. I think it's a fourplex, but you talk about if somebody's going to, uh, partake in financing. And I imagine that financing is going to be the deal breaker based on what type of financing somebody gets. It's going to be the deal breaker between, you know, them having a, an amazing cash flowing property to them having, you know, a, ca- a property that's not cash flowing at all. So let's maybe talk to that. What are the, once financing is in place, you know, for people who are financing, what, what have you seen to be typical as far as cash flow? Well, we make the assumption that all investors are financing with maximum leverage, meaning 20% down, 80% loan. So we, we make that assumption so that that gives you kind of the worst case scenario in terms of your cash flow. Interest rates today, they're, they're bouncing around, but on a 30-year fixed rate mortgage, uh, you can lock in for 30 years at a rate of about five to five and a quarter as, as an investor, non-owner occupied loan. And so you know, it depends on, on the price point, the market, the neighborhood, the rent to value ratio in, in that area. So there's different factors that affect the, the cash flows, but cash flows on property can range from two to $400 per door per month. And so that's usually given you, again, very dependent on the property and location, but can give you a, a cash on cash return of, of anywhere from eight to 15% on your money, just not including, you know, equity growth and appreciation benefits. So uh, if you factor that in, you're looking at a total return on investment all in, in the 30% range, sometimes the 40% range, just because you have the ability to leverage and you have the equity growth every year. So the financing is a great thing. You know, it allows you to buy more property, control more property and benefit from multiple properties and diversify your, your, your real estate portfolio. And it, and it just accelerates your wealth accumulation and it accelerates the ability for you to create that passive income. Walk us through uh, one of your favorite clients, one of your, your favorite testimonials, and it could be somebody you helped escape the rat race. It can be somebody you helped uh, purchase their first investment property. Walk us through a time in which you were ecstatic, you were joyous for a client because of the success that they were able to achieve. Well, here's a great answer for you because I actually interviewed this person on one of my recent podcast episodes, I think four or five weeks ago. I can't remember the episode number. I think it was episode 98. But we have a client out of San Diego. His name is Anton. And he started working with us four years ago. He set out to buy, he had no properties at that point in time. And he acquired four, his first four properties as quickly as he could. Him and his wife both have been, you know, just, they've been very aggressive in terms of saving, increasing their income and saving as much as they can, as quickly as they can to accelerate the, the speed at which they acquire their rental properties. So they, they, he bought his first, but he bought his first four as quickly as he could four years ago. And I just interviewed him recently. So today, four years later, his wife and he and his wife have accumulated 35 doors. So they're not all single family homes. Some of them are duplexes and and fourplexes, but they're all residential property. So he's got 35 doors to his name and his passive income from those four, uh, excuse me, uh, from that portfolio that he has uh, comes to $10,000 a month. Now, I'm not saying that is a typical example. Again, it comes back to your capacity, but it is definitely doable. And so here we have a guy who's basically built a $10,000 passive income per month in four years, building a, a 35 door portfolio, you know, and I, I don't want to take all the credit, but you know, my team and I have put him on the path to achieve that. And so he's extremely happy. <laughs> Lifestyle design acceleration hacks. What is your favorite before the millions book? That sounds like a simple question, but it's not because my knee-jerk reaction is to say rich dad, poor dad, because it's such a a mind shift read. I'm trying to remember what I read. You know, Think and Grow Rich is probably one of those foundational books that kind of changes the way you think and makes you really aware of how you think. That would probably be a major book that I would say, you know, is good financially and in terms of... um, 
the way you think. So think and grow rich. And, and I'd, I'd piggyback that with Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Love it. What is your favorite lifestyle design app? This can be a business app or a tool. A lifestyle design? Mm, well, how are you defining lifestyle design? An app that makes your life so much easier, that gives you a peace of mind because you know this app has features that's doing things for you or your business that you wouldn't otherwise be able to do. Interesting. You know, everybody has this in their pocket. It's in your smartphone, but believe it or not, because there's so much communication going on in my life and my business through email, it's really the app that's always there. And it's the email app. I don't spend a lot of time on Facebook and, and social media. I mean, I'm on social media, but I wouldn't say that really changes my lifestyle. If anything, that kind of crimps my lifestyle because, you know, I'm just kind of consumed in this stream of information. But, you know, the apps I actually love are the books like the uh, iBooks, Audible, the podcast app. You know, that's where I can actually learn something. I can listen and consume content and, and educate myself and, and become a better person, better investor. So those are really my favorite apps. I love those apps as well. And I'm sure many of our listeners do too. So great, great, great apps. What do you enjoy most about the way your lifestyle is currently designed? I get to spend time. I can basically work as long, as much, as little as I want. I can get up whenever time I want. I can spend time with my family and, and especially my daughter, who's, you know, 10 turning 11. You know, we can go on father-daughter trips and, uh, you know, go camping whenever we want. I don't know. Does that answer the question? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's lovely. I love it. I love it. What were the sacrifices that you knew you had to make before the millions to get to where you are today? Just a lot of hustle putting in the time, putting your nose to the grindstone, just pushing through all barriers and just believing that there's nothing that can stop you. Just saying, I'm going to do it and doing everything in your power to make it happen. Just to push, push, push and hustle and make sure that you're just pushing through knowing that you're on the right track and you're doing what you believe is what you should be doing. It really comes down to hustle. Who was essential to your growth before the millions and why? That's a hard question. Who's essential? <laughs> I'm not sure I would say anybody was essential. I look at everybody as a resource to learn from. You know, certainly I've gotten some work ethic qualities from my parents who worked, you know, very, very hard their, you know, their whole life. I think, I think a lot of it came from them, but then, you know, looking at other people as mentors, like early on, like Tony Robbins and, you know, people who are in the personal development space, Zig Ziglar and, and others, you know, I've never met those people. Well, I actually, I did meet Tony Robbins, but, but have, not having met a lot of those people, they really become a mentor for you through books and, you know, tapes and CDs. I think those were the people who were instrumental in helping shape me as, you know, an entrepreneur and an investor. Last but not least, why do you think so many of us are stuck before the millions, even though we have every intention on getting to the millions? The reason a lot of people are stuck uh, uh, come down to three things. One is what you know or what you don't know, because ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is expensive. Number two is how you feel. The more you learn, the more comfortable you are with, with what you're trying to do, what you intend to do, and the, the better you surround yourself with like-minded people who inspire you and, and prop you up and propel you forward, you know, how you feel is a factor. And thirdly is what you do. I mean, at the end of the day, you could be excited and motivated and inspired and you could be educating yourself to death. But if you don't put the rubber to the road and make things happen, nothing's going to happen. you got to take action. Your value, what you're doing in the space, how you're helping others achieve financial freedom, how you're helping others get into investment, uh, property investing, how you're helping others create cash flow. It's been simply inspirational, Marco. So I love what you're doing again. And, you know, I can't I can't thank you enough for even putting out the information and putting out the content that you put out on a weekly basis. So Marco, if the listeners want to learn more about you, if they want to get to know you a little bit better, or maybe even ask you a question or two or find out about some of your services, how can they do all of that? I think the short answer to that is we have two websites and there's there's some fr a lot of free resources there. The two websites are norada realestate.com, N-O-R-A. 
ADA Norada real estate.com. That's our property website. You'll find all our rental properties that come and go on that site. So it's a great place to just window shop, if you will, for on real estate to just kind of give you an idea of what is out there and what's possible. The other website is passive real estate investing.com and passive real estate investing is the name of my podcast. That's the reason there's, there's a second website. And on both of those websites, your listeners can download a, a free 40 page booklet uh, report that I created uh, years ago. And it's been downloaded ten, like thousands of thousands of times. And it's called the ultimate guide to passive real estate investing. And it's really a real estate primer that actually is coming out into a full fledged paperback book here in the very near future, probably in the next month or so under the same title, passive real estate investing. But I suggest your listeners download that because it is all meat and potatoes. It's right, right down to the, you know, to the nuts and bolts of what you need to know and what you need to do in terms of, of, of passive real estate investing. Love it. Love it. Love it. And I'm definitely going to have to download that myself. That All the links mentioned on today's show will be in the show notes. So listeners, you can definitely check out the show notes of this episode for all of uh, Marco's goodies. Marco, again, this has been amazing and we definitely have to get you back on. There's so much that we haven't talked about. We weren't even able to, to kind of get into your present day business. I think that is fascinating. So we'll definitely have to get you back on the podcast, Marco. Thank you for sure. everything that you do. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to today's show. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a good fit to work with the Before the Millions team, here's what I want you to do next. Head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash call. That's beforethemillions.com slash call and book an appointment to speak with our team. We'll get on the phone with you for about 45 minutes and we'll get you crystal clear on three things. Number one, what is your cash flow goal? How much are you looking to make every month? Number two, your personalized investing strategy. And number three, the best way to get started using cash flowing rental real estate. Remember, starting and scaling your real estate investments and business doesn't happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. We've helped clients all over the world start and scale their investing efforts to six figures and beyond while enjoying life and making the world a better place. To find out if we can help you do the same, head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash call. I'm Dorel Lallier, and let's talk soon.